Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of John. Chapter 7, we're doing a series as we're studying uh, through the gospel, through the gospel of John. You know, there are different ways to study the Bible and uh, there are different ways to preach through the Bible. So there are different ways to kind of challenge your mind, engage your mind. So at the beginning of the year, we did Coram Deo, which just talked about the importance of being in God's presence and through his word and prayer. And then we did uh, Naked and Unashamed. We talk about relationships and sex and sexuality. We did Ask It, where we let you, you know, ask the questions. And I tried my best to answer those. We did the ultimate human right that we talked about evangelism and, you know, outreach and, and that kind of thing. And then another way to study the, the Bible is just to take a book and work your way through it. And that's what we're doing. So I, I encourage you at the beginning, you know, just make, maybe uh, if you don't have kind of a devotional plan per se, you're kind of, maybe you're kind of walking through the Gospel of John uh, with us. So uh, John chapter 7, I'll be there in just, uh, be there in just a moment. Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, ever been in a place where you kind of felt unwelcome. You just got a vibe, you know, that maybe, you know, you weren't welcome, you shouldn't be there. I don't know if you've ever kind of been in that situation. When uh, Becky and I were dating, it was the first time I was going to meet her parents, okay? Now, her dad, she'd already told her dad, Dad, I'm dating a preacher, okay? Which he responded, Becky... You're going to be broke and move around your entire life, okay? Which I have lived down to that expectation, let me just say. So it's the first time knowing, knowing how excited he was to meet me. Uh, and my father-in-law lives in Tallahassee now. We put him in a, a place where he can live, so he's close by. And uh, so we, we pull up, and uh, I think he's grilling out. He's outdoors, and... And uh, I walk up with Becky and introduce myself. Boy, I could tell the joy that was on his face, okay? So Becky says, well, I'm just going to leave you two here for a moment. I'm going to say hello to my mom. Oh, my goodness. Kind of the vibe, the vibe. But I want him over. I want him over. It took me 22 years, but I finally want him over. John 7, Jesus is getting a vibe. He's not welcome. What's he doing in Galilee? After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Jerusalem because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him, okay? So, unwelcome. He just, he he caught it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be in in Judea, you know, I'm not, I'm not welcome there. So, he kind of, he kind of got the vibe. Now, he had been in Galilee for maybe six months to a year. Sometimes the, the chapters in between the Bible, they don't always give the, you know, the time you know, that, that, that goes in between each chapter. So he's probably in Galilee for six months to a year. And I'm sure that he wanted to go to Judea because Jerusalem and Bethlehem and some of those key cities, they were in Judea as well. So I'm sure that he wanted to go there, you know, but he wasn't welcome 
you know, and the timing of his return back to Judea was not right. He'd been in Galilee a long time, maybe six months to a year. He's just in Galilee, but the timing was not right. Can I just say something to you this morning that timing is important? God's timing is important. As we consider the many things we want to do in life and for God, we must ask the question, is it the right time? Okay? So there's a God time for everything. There's a God season for everything where you stay where you're at or you uproot and do something new. There's a God season and a God time when we change jobs, okay? That's important. It needs to be a a God time, a God season. When we get married, when when I talk to young married couples, I ask them, why do you think this is the right person and why do you think this is the right time for you? When we want to have kids, timing is important. When we make large purchases, God's timing is important. When we make huge life decisions, God's timing is important, okay? So like for right now, you know, for some of you, the door is closed. It's closed. And I want to say to you, don't try to force it open if God's closed the door, okay? I mean, you, you can kind of pry, you can try to kick it in, you know, you can do, do what you can. But I'm just saying, you need to understand God's timing and God's season. He, I'm sure he wanted to go to Judea. He'd been there for a long time. But he just, he didn't because it was not, it was not the right Time so if the door is closed, be patient and don't force it open. Okay, and also while you're waiting on the door to open, do what you can right where you're at. Okay, do what you can right where you're at. So Jesus, I'm sure he wanted to go to Judea, all right, but it wasn't the door wasn't open. So he's in Galilee for a long period of time. He wasn't just there on vacation. Wasn't there just sitting around. If you remember Brad's message last week, Jesus was in Galilee. He fed the 5,000. He walked on the water. He preached the gospel. He disputed those who were, you know, had some animosity toward him. So he he just didn't wait around until the door opened. He did what he could do right where he's at. So I want to say to you this morning, while you're waiting for the door to open, prepare yourself for this new opportunity, okay? While you're waiting for the door to open, prepare yourself for this new opportunity. Paul Adams is on the, uh, uh, the roster of the Tennessee Titans, I went to school, went to high school with his dad. <clears throat> so I've kind of kept up with him. Paul went to the University of Missouri and was an offensive lineman. He was drafted in, I think, 2018. And right now he finds himself 
on the practice squad of the Tennessee Titans. Now, he's from Nashville originally, so the Nashville Tennessean did a, an article on him, because he's a Nashville boy, what it's like you know, to be in the NFL, but what it's like also to be on the practice squad. Now, on the practice squad, you just practice, okay? You don't dress. You don't get to go to the games. You don't dress. You don't get to travel. Now, they only make $6,500 a week, okay? I feel bad for them. We're going to take an offering for him, you know. But you just practice. You're the practice dummy for all of the, the first team. That's what you do. So they did an article with him, did an interview with him. What it's, what's it like to be on the practice squad? And he said, you know, you know, you can't, you can't loaf or take a break when you're on the practice squad because you never know when you're going to get your opportunity and you got to be ready for that opportunity. He said, when, when they're in the film room, I'm in the film room. When they're in the weight room, I'm in the weight room. I'm watching my nutrition. I'm watching my rest. I'm trying to take care of my body. And in the event that the door opens, I want to be ready and walk through that. And I want to just say that to some of you. Some of you, the door hasn't opened and you just become lazy, waiting on the door to open. Your life is filled with chip, chips and salsa, laying on the couch, playing a video game, okay? And I want to say to you as well, because there may be a day that that door opens, and when it does, you don't want to blow that opportunity because of your lack of preparation, okay? So here you are waiting for this to open, and all of a sudden it does, and you're, you're not ready for it. You... You are not ready for that at all. So I say to you, if the timing isn't right yet and there's a door that is closed that you are waiting for it to open, then take advantage of every opportunity you can right now to keep your tools sharp. Go to school, take a certification, join up with an internship, get in shape, Pray more, serve, whatever that means so that you can prepare yourself for when, that, for when that door opens. Because when it opens, you don't want to blow the opportunity you've been waiting on because of lack of preparation. Okay? All right. Verse 2. Look at this. So he's, you know, been up in, in Galilee. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, tents, was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, and I'm going to pause there for just, just a moment. We're going to come back to that. <clears throat> so this whole chapter, what we're about to read, occurs in the context of the Jewish festival of tabernacles. And I just added tents. We don't, tent has a little bit different meaning. So uh, Jesus is about to attend the Feast of Tabernacles. So I just want to walk you through that because there's, you know, there's some some interesting things there. So the Feast of Tabernacles or Tents, it was a happy and joyful time. You got a week off, okay? Your boss didn't give you the week off. God gave you the week off, okay? What you gonna, what's your boss going to say to you? So that you, took, you took an entire week off. Now, they had just followed the Day of Atonement, which was kind of a sad, mournful time. So this was... 
the festival, you know, of the, of the tents. So it's a sad, happy time. It's a little different than Passover. We're familiar with Passover. So the Feast of Tabernacles or Tents commemorates the 40-year journey of Israel when they left Egypt and also celebrates the end of the fall harvest. So it is a memorial for God's faithfulness to the Hebrews over 40 years, but also celebrates the end of the fall harvest. It usually occurs around the 5th of September, you know, so that's when they, when they celebrate it. It celebrates God's protection, provision, and care by the hand of God in the wilderness, okay? So how they celebrated it was a little different. Each family built a tent, Hey, I got a little, got some images here so you can see. That's kind of how they celebrate it today over in Jerusalem. You just kind of build a tent. You kind of build a, you know, a little structure, okay, for a week. They still do it. I couldn't find any pictures of the actual Feast of Tabernacles. So just, you know, that's the best I could do. Uh, so here's what you do. You move out of your house and you move into that structure for a week, not so much fun, is it now, right? You like the week off, all right? So you move into these structures, but living in these tents or tabernacles is to help remind you and remind your children of what it was like in the 40 years when they lived, you know, when they lived in the wilderness. So it was the festival of tents. People are living in temporary housing. Every day... You got in line with all the, all the people of God and you marched toward Jerusalem like in the evening and you took your candle or your torch, each family, and there'd be thousands of people and they would go to Jerusalem and they would start circling the temple and they would be singing the Psalms. They would be praying, offering prayers of God's provision. They said Psalms 18, uh, 118.25, Lord save us. Grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when they got around the temple, the priest would take a, a big pitcher of water and he would pour it on the altar outside of the temple and they would give thanks for that water that sustained them, that miracle water in the desert that the Lord kept providing. And they would give thanks for that, for that, for that miracle water. Okay, so... That was, kind of the, that was kind of the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? I just think we ought to do that as a church. Yeah. September 5th's coming up. We could rent a KOA campground. Everybody bring a tent. Brad Gilbert on the grill. Now, some of you would be trying it at the Holiday Inn Express. That, you wouldn't get the meaning of it then. All right? So, all right. So let's go, go back to this passage, all right? But when the Jewish festival of tabernacle or tents was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one, wants, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe him. Wow. All right, so Jesus, Jesus had four half-brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. He has sisters too, but we, we, don't, know, we don't know their names. 
But here were his brothers that doubted him and seemed to be embarrassed by him. In other places, there's just this tone when they speak to him of, you know, just they were not encouraging, kind of sarcastic and challenging to them. This is his own brothers. His own brothers lived in the same house. And here they are with this kind of statement of, of ridicule. I want to just say something today. I mean, it's one thing when your friends kind of forsake you and they don't believe in you, but it's another thing when your family doesn't believe in you. Okay, it's another, it's another thing. I, I'm very fortunate when I became a follower of Jesus, you know, I had the support and the encouragement and the accountability from my family. But some of you don't have that. Some of you don't have that. From the moment you told them you were going to church or you wanted to be a follower of Jesus, man, there has been, you know, there's been ridicule. They've kind of made fun of you in front of your face or behind your back. They've been dismissive anytime that you even bring up this, you know, your relationship with, uh, your relationship with God. They just... You know, they, they don't understand. They don't even try to understand. And that's where some of you, you know, that's where some of you are at today. And I just want to say to you, if that's you and you just feel kind of the rejection of your family, you know, based on your faith, I just want to encourage you this morning. Man, you hang in and you keep serving Jesus. Don't let anybody put a fire out in your heart that God started. If your family's not on board now, that's fine. You be kind, you be prayerful, you pray for them. But man, be undeterred that you're going to serve Jesus, uh, you know, your entire life. Now, I want you to know something too. You know, Jesus faced that, that family rejection from his own, you know, from his own brothers. Isaiah said this about Jesus, that he would be rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, all right? So you stand in good company. If your family has kind of rejected you and kind of turned you out or been dismissive because of your faith in Jesus, you're in good company this morning. You keep serving the Lord. Okay, And if you just need a little pat on the back, you just need a little pep rally sometime, you just give us a call. You don't get it from your family, we'll give it to you here. Okay? All right? Now, look at, look at Jesus' brothers. <clears throat> All right? They lived their whole life, their whole life in Jesus' shadow. Can you imagine what it was like to be a brother of Jesus? You know, like, I mean, can you imagine just feeling terrible about your whole life? You know, you, everything you do is never going to measure up to what Jesus did. I mean, it's Jesus' birthday. <laughs> I mean, how do you compete with that? Angelic choirs, you know, the, the magi bringing gifts. How do you, and then, then you have your birthday, and they go, hey, you're a great, great kid, great kid. You, you play games, play hide-and-go-seek with Jesus. He always finds you everywhere, every time. You play Bible trivia. How do you win against the man called the Word? You go to a wedding. He can't just sit down and go to the wedding. He's got to insert himself into the beverage plan. 
I want to say something too. Listen to me. The thoughts of others can be rooted in jealousy and may not have your best interests in heart. People always will speak different kinds of words to you. Sometimes it can be rooted in jealousy. Listen, what kind of advice is that? Go on, go to Judea. Man, they, they can't wait for you to get down there. He knows they're going to kill him. What kind of advice is that? You know, so sometimes not everybody that speaks a word to you has your best interest at heart. Sometimes you got to weigh it out. Sometimes that word can be rooted in jealousy, okay? All right, so um, verse 6, Jesus told them, responds back to his brothers, my time, look at the word, my time is not yet here for you any time will do, okay? For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. So he says to them in response, you know, you have no idea of God's time and God's plan for my life. You have no idea about that. And I just want to say, there may be people that are well-meaning, all right, but they have no idea of God's time and plan and purpose for your life. So sometimes you take the multitude of counselors and you listen, but at some point you've got to make that decision for yourself. All right? So my time is not here for you. Any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. And that is true. He's only been here a couple of years, but he denounces injustice and cruelty and corruption and immorality and false religion and fake repentance and this, you know, fake kind of righteous living. That's why they hated them, him then, and that's why they hate him now because he shines lights in dark places, okay? He brings light to dark places and people don't like it at all. Remember what he said in John 3 about this. He said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world and people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. That's why you invite people to church. They won't, they won't come. You want to have a gospel conversation with them. They don't want to talk about it because when they do, that light goes on for their unrighteousness and they kind of feel uncomfortable about that. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seenly, seen plainly what they have done and what has been done in the sight of God. So listen, Jesus doesn't come just to call bad things bad. He doesn't come just to curse the darkness. And I want to say this, he doesn't come just to call you out and make you feel bad about your life. 
He's coming to let you know that if you are in darkness, there is a pathway out if you will follow him. He does not sentence you to a life in darkness and sinfulness, but he says if you'll listen to me, there is another plan and another path if you'll follow the light that you see in your heart. All right? All right? Verse 8, he says, You go to the festival. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not come, has not fully come. After this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. You know, look, we can learn something from Jesus here. Anytime you have a chance to travel with the family, and you know how loud, and they're going to stop and go to the bathroom all the time. You let them go. You go by yourself, okay? All right? So he lets them go. He comes. Look at verse 11. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? I bet he was. I bet they were asking. Remember the last time he came to Passover? Remember the last time he just showed up? Yeah, I bet they were curious about him. Verse 14, Jesus arrives at the festival. Not until halfway. Now, it's a week. This festival is a week, so somewhere around Wednesday. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having being taught? They just thought people with this kind of wisdom had to have had some kind of Formal education. Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone, look at this, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. Whoever seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth and nothing false about him. Has Moses not given you the law? Uh, Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? So let me back up through that. So he gives a challenge. He gives a challenge that's still out there today. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God, he said, will investigate the teachings of Jesus. That's what he said. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teachings come from God. So let me just say, like, so if you're a doubter, you're a skeptic, You've never really been in church. You're not sure if you buy in to this whole thing of Christianity and faith and all of that. He said, if you want to know, you know, about God, whether God is real, he said, start with my teachings, and that is my challenge to you. You're a doubter. You're a skeptic. Maybe your academic formation has kind of pulled you away from believing in faith and God, okay, but you're still kind of curious, then my, then my response to you is start with the teachings of Jesus. Start with the person of Jesus. Start asking questions about that. I mean, you want to find God? You want to, you know, you want to know God's will? Then he says, start there. He mentions, he said, how hey, I'm not out for fame, fortune, power, ambition. He said, you just, you want to know God? You want to know God? You know, follow my teachings. David Reed David Reed's a social media influencer. He's an agnostic, 
atheist, you know, skeptic, doubter, whatever, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it, all right? And I want to read you a couple of paragraphs from a blog, you know, that, that he wrote, all right? It says, no one is more surprised than I am. For my whole life, I've been skeptical and dismissive of religion. Christianity is certainly not what I was looking for this time last year. I had a lot of questions, and I needed to see a lot of evidence. I struggled against it. I tried to counter every argument, but I was won over, and I can no longer convince myself that the Gospels are not true. The more I read about Jesus, the more I have come to trust this wild and dangerous claim. I love that, this wild and dangerous claim. His ministry is too precise to be the work of a madman, too high in its moral calling to be a work of an imposter. The only alternative is to take him at his word. Once you do, the great mystery, God and our reason for being here, steps out from behind the curtain. And secondly, I ask one of the most extravagant and preposterous claims Jesus makes about God is the absolute assurance of an answer to spiritual searching. Did you hear that? I'm going to read that again. One of the most extravagant and preposterous claims Jesus makes about God is the absolute assurance of an answer to spiritual searching. Ask and it shall be given. Having found my fiercest defense against religion, defeated by the evidence, I finally got on my knees and asked God if he is real. And if he is, make himself known in my life. And he has. Okay? He has. So I want to say to you, you're a doubter, you're a skeptic, you're watching online, whatever. It doesn't matter. We all kind of start our faith journey a different way. But I just want to say there are a couple of things that David did that I want to encourage you to do. Start to seek. Jesus said, you want to know about me? Start seeking out my teachings in my life. And then what David did, he just said, God, man, if you're out there, if this thing is real, then let me know. Then let me know. So I encourage you, seek, study, pray, if I can help you on that journey, I promise I won't push you. I won't force you, you know, at all. I'll just be there as a resource to you. But I think you might find a different answer, kind of like David, than you ever, than you ever expected. The, the last part of that passage, you know, Jesus reminded them. He said, hey, you remember that you, to the Jewish leaders, you go by the law of Moses. You remember that? Thou shalt not kill. Well, hey, you're trying to kill me, Okay. Just, just reminding them there's a little twinge of hypocrisy in their, you know, in their, in their life. All right, verse 37, the last day of the festival, okay? So it's the end, end of the festival. <clears throat> now, I told you every day they did this procession that I just think would be very cool. Man, you're walking with your family, walking around the temple, singing. Uh, there are six chapters in Psalms called the Song of Ascents. And they would sing these in rotation as they would go to the temple. And they're singing these songs. They're praying these prayers. You know, I mean, I, thousands of people just thanking God for his provision. Wit, I imagine it was a powerful, powerful, you know, a visual image. And then I told you the last part, the priest would take this pitcher of water as an offering 
poured on the altar outside the temple, just thanking God for his miracle provision of water, you know, throughout, you know, throughout this 40 years. So it's probably at this point that this passage happens. Verse 37. <clears throat> on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit from whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to this time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. So it's during the ceremony, the very last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, probably at the moment that the priest is pouring out this water and they're giving thanks for this supernatural provision of water. It's during this ceremony that Jesus reminded the people to look forward to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was to come, okay? And they weren't very far away from it. Just a couple of years, you know, to this great outpouring that, that would happen. So just a couple of things about this passage. Number one, Jesus called it living water. We've had that reference before at the woman at the well when Jesus called it living water. So he's saying there's a physical water that only brings temporary refreshment into the body, but there is a living water that makes you never, ever thirst again. So he uses the term living water, referencing the Holy Spirit that is about to come. And then he says the Holy Spirit, he uses the term as the scripture has said, as the scripture has said, so he's reminding these people of the prophecies of Joel that are to come that God would, would pour out of his spirit. I want to just tell you that there are many in the church world today that think the working of the Holy Spirit passed away at the generation of the apostles, that when the apostles died, the Holy Spirit, as we know, passed away at that moment. I love them, but they could not be more wrong. We believe that what happened at the upper room in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, we believe that that, that experience still is for the people today and still for the church today. I want to tell you, God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I want to say to the church, man, that we are not lifeless here. Man, there is a breath and a wind that moves through the church. That is the Holy Spirit and that work of God's spirit and presence is still available in the church today. He said, Jesus said, you want to know what it's like? He said, it's like a river of living water flowing out of your heart. And he said, this is about the spirit who hadn't come yet was about to come. I want to tell you, man, if there's ever a day we need the Holy Spirit, it's today. If it's ever a day that we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's today. If there's ever a day that we needed God's power and God's presence in the church, it's today. There's a war, there's a fight, man, there's a plague. If there's ever a time that we needed the breath of God's Spirit, the river of living water uh, flowing in our hearts, it's today. 
It's not a time to pack it away with the historians. We don't believe that. We believe it's still here today. Verse 45, the end of the festival. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief, chief priest and the Pharisees and asked him, Hakana, as the festival's breaking up, uh, and who asked him, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he's deceived you also? Have you, have any rulers or, or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob knows nothing about the law. There's a curse on them. Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus? John 3, we were under what happened. I ask you the question in John 3, what happened to Nicodemus? Look at this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll find a prophet that does not come out of Galilee. I mean, as we've been working our way through, through the gospel of John, I uh, just been making notes about the Pharisees along the way. <clears throat> I, I just have a question. How did these religious leaders become so cold and, and hard-hearted? I mean, what, th these are, are, are people of God, people of faith. Man, what happened along their journey that, that man, they're ready to kill people? still kind of in their robes, but man, what happened in their heart along the way where these people, when they started out young, they, were, they wanted to serve God and learn more about God's word, and now, man, look at the fruit of their, of their life. What, what happened? Can I tell you my greatest spiritual challenge in my life? Okay, <clears throat> I, I started in the ministry when I was 19 years old, okay, very, very young, and except for like one year of my life, you know, like, I've always worked at the church, right? When they handed me my first paycheck, like, I knew I was employed, but, you know, they handed me a check, I just wanted to hand it back and kneel, you know, like, now, I've overcome that, okay? I just want you to know that. But I was like, what? You get, you get paid for this to do God's work? Man. <clears throat> Every year but one, I work at the church. You come a few times a week. I work at the church. I'll preach today. Then tomorrow morning, we'll be right here. We'll be reading scripture and we'll be praying. Tomorrow afternoon at 2, I start working our next Sunday's message. That's just my life. You know, that's just my, it's just the way it is. I don't know any other job. I don't know any other vocation. I have no other skills. If you ever decide you don't need my ministry anymore, you'll have the newest Uber driver in Tallahassee. <clears throat> So my greatest challenge is for decades I've been doing this. I can't tell you how many sermons I've preached, how many baptisms I've done, 
many weddings, <clears throat> funerals, you know. 49 weekends a year, I'm here. Sunday, Wednesday, that's just my life. I, I'm, just, I'm just used to that, okay? My greatest spiritual challenge just to make sure that this just is not a job to me. To just pick up a check. You just do your thing, you just go to the hospital, preach your sermons. My greatest spiritual challenge is that in the number of weeks that I've served, and it's been many decades that I've done this, almost 30 years, that it you just don't get cold and calloused and that your service to God just becomes routine and ritual, okay? That's my greatest concern, all right? And I pray that all the time. Lord, I don't want to fade at the finish. I don't want to fade at the finish. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be one of those guys get all crusty in your heart and heart gets hard just because you've, you do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, year after year after year. Brent, worship team, you guys can come. I don't want to be that guy. I look at those guys and go, what, you're talking about killing people? Really? What went wrong? What what went wrong from these young, young guys that, that wanted to follow a rabbi and, and serve God? Now, I want to say this to you as well. You don't work here. But some of you have served God for many decades. How many church services have you been in? How many sermons have you heard? See, if you're not careful, the same kind of coldness and ritual and routine can set in on you. It's Sunday. We go to church. No devotions, no prayer, no worship. If you're not careful over the period of time, that callousness sets in. On you, that ritual and routine that we look and we see the fruit of that in their life, it happens to us as well. Paymatize, punch the clock. Been playing this game a long time. You can fake it and nobody knows. Because you know how to play the game. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, like, that's, that's my, greatest, my greatest challenge. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be cold and formal and ritual. I don't want to be that. I didn't start that way at 19. I didn't start that way. They handed me that first paycheck. You know, I was like, what? I, you know, I do this for free. I do it for free. The bank that owned my car note disagreed with that, but, you know, 
Moses, years after the Red Sea, water coming from the rock, the, the, the burning bush that never gave out, carrying the tablets of stones down from Sinai, being in God's presence, even to the point that his face just shined with God's glory, he had to put a mask on. After all of that, he comes to God one day and he says, I want to see your glory. Didn't ask for a miracle. Didn't ask for... He said, man, I... I, I got a long history with you. I just want your presence. I just want your presence. I want to know you in a better way. I want to know you in a better way. I want to tell you. I want to tell you something. Let me tell you. Everybody's spiritual life changes. We kind of go, you know, it's not, it's not ever the same that when it, as it was when we were 19 or when we first started out. It's not that way, you know. Seasons change, you know. Seasons change in our heart and our life and the way we, you know, the way we serve God. And the season that we're in may be different than the season we were before, but it doesn't have to be distant. It may be different, but it doesn't have to be distant. It's not a time that we just have to kind of fade away. We become that old hard-hearted, cold, calloused believer that Jesus said saw a man half dead walked right by him. Jesus said, hey, when you're in your latter season, he said, old men will dream dreams. If you're old, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that passion leaves. That doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that you, you're, your heart for God changes. The season may be different, but you don't have to be distant. He said in your latter season, man, I'll still birth some God dreams down in your heart. All right. So, I don't want to be like those guys. I don't want to be like those guys. It's ugly. It's terrible. It's horrible. You know, I want to say that's my challenge. I work here every day. Every day. That's my life. All right. But some of you, it's very similar because you're here all the time. If you're not careful, it's cold and ritual and routine, just showing up and playing the game. And I'm telling you, there's nothing to that. It's just dry and death. Okay? It's just dry and death. So this morning, I want to, just as we close, I'm going I'm to pray over that. I'm going to give time at the altar, man. Maybe if you feel, you know, just a little coldness, distance. There's no condemnation here. There's no, not at all. It's just recognizing, man, in the abundance of years that I've served him, man, I need, I need to pay attention to a few more things. We're going to pray for people with God's timing. We're going to give thanks like they did at, at uh, the Feast of the, the Tabernacles for God's care and God's provision. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads? 
if you're here today and you've got years of service under your heart and life and you just feel a little coldness, a little routineness kind of setting in, don't, don't feel, you know, the passion that, that you did. This time is for you. This time is for you. Been a call back to, you know, maybe not when you were 19 or early, but a call to embrace that season that you're in, that you're in right now. And I, I had to battle that all the time. Just want to give you that opportunity in a moment, okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You'd say, Pastor, hey, that's me this morning. I just feel a little distance, a little routineness, just a little coldness setting in in my walk with the Lord. Would you pray over me this morning? Would you just raise your hand up and down really quick? I mean, I see, I see that. Hey, I don't think that's unusual from time to time just to kind of, I to shake ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you may say, uh, hey, I got some decisions to make and I just, I'm not sure about God's timing and God's direction and I just need to, I, I just need the Lord to guide me in a certain decision or decisions that I'm making. Really quick, would you raise your hand up and down? Just say, pray. Hey, I see those. I see those. Amen. Our worship team is going to lead for just a moment, and I'm going to come back and, and pray. But if God leads you, if you feel comfortable, if you want to come to the altar, just give some things to the Lord and pray this morning. You're more than, you're more than welcome to worship team lead. This morning, thank you, Lord. Can we all just pray that prayer? Lord, I, we don't want to fade at the finish. Lord, we don't want to end up with calloused hearts. Lord, in critical spirits. Lord, we pray that there'll be a freshness about our walk with you, a freshness in our relationship with God. Lord, we want to be moved in prayer, sensitive to God's spirit. Lord, I pray that even with a generation, generations that have been in church serving God 20, 30 years, we don't want our, our best days to be in the past. God, I pray that you would shake us, Lord. Shake individuals today, I pray. Lord, we don't want to be cold, callous. Lord, you call us to intimacy and service. Lord, as we're connected to the vine, there's a fruit that's born. And it doesn't matter how old you are. God, I pray. I pray for those that are 60 years of age and above. Lord, they're in a different season, but it doesn't have to be a distant season, too. I pray for fruitfulness. I pray the power of God's presence. Lord, maybe as, as strength has diminished, Lord, anointing will increase upon their life. God, I pray. I pray. I pray for those that are making decisions this morning. They've got decisions. They're, they're considering your timing today. Lord, I pray for those jobs and houses, all the kind of different things that people pray over. Lord, I pray. Lord, many raise their hands. Lord, they're going to know your presence. They're going to know your timing. They're going to sense, Lord. They're going to sense the doors opening or doors closing. Lord, I pray over that. I pray for patience in the season where the doors closed. I pray for patience in the season where the doors closed. And God, I pray, I pray in the right time, Lord, they'll know that's a divine door that's been opened. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.